welcome to another episode of How to Blank in 15 Minutes. Um, today's topic will be how to create three-dimensional characters in 15 minutes. I am one of your hosts, Chantal Amy Osman, and I am here with Brian Young. What is your number one tip for creating realistic and three-dimensional characters? I think part of it is to remember that people are complicated and that what they say and what they do are sometimes two very different things. I think that's the biggest one is that we can see a character tell us through the narrative, uh, whether that's third person limited or whether that's first person narrative, sort of tell us in their thoughts who they are. But until we see them actually act and show us what those decisions truly are in their actions, we don't actually know what they're made of. And so that the dissonance between those things, uh, between what they say and what they do creates really complex characters. But I also think another major thing that people need to create complex characters is to understand that there's a whole bunch of stuff going on, right? There are things that a character is willing to do uh, or say. There's a layer to the character of things that they would never say but think. And there's a layer deeper than that in their, in their subconscious that are things that they don't even want to think but are still true to themselves. And when you get conflicts between those different layers of a person, it creates really interesting 3D characters. Well, I think things are twofold here. I, I like how you went to next level, boss level explanation of 3D characters, because where I was going to start was kind of by telling them what not to do. Um, I think often too many new writers particularly confuse a three-dimensional character with lots and lots of description about the character. Um, And and that's exactly, and that's a very easy trap to fall into. Um, Honestly, there's, there's very little that we need to know about a character's, you know, appearance um, over the very vague Um, And and I like to think that creating a three-dimensional character is kind of like meeting a new friend for the first time, Um, you know, somebody you've never met before. And when you meet a new person, let's say, you know, you're at a coffee shop writing or you're at a writer's conference, you know, the only two places that writers go. Um, Before you meet somebody for the first time, you are not given their driver's license. You are not given their resume. Um, You are not told they are exactly, you know, five foot eight with auburn hair and all of this. Um, And honestly, the only things that you're going to take in about somebody's appearance are anything that, shall we say, exceeds the norm. Of course, norm being, you know, a bad word in my opinion anyway, but, you know, somebody happens to be seven foot tall. You're probably not going to notice if somebody is dressed, you know, I, again, normally um, or appropriately for the venue. But, you know, if you're at your Starbucks and they come in in bunny slippers, you're going to notice that. So, you know, something like that, but relying too much on appearance or, or giving an entire resume before actually getting to know the character kind of takes the fun out of it and is the antithesis of the human experience. So when you first introduce somebody, you know, and when you first meet somebody in real life, you're going to comment more on whether it's internally or externally 
what they say, how they say things, just like Brian um, was going into, how they're reacting. You know, did they did they come in and throw the coffee that was wrong at the barista? Or did they say, hey, you know, I think you gave me the wrong order. I know it's a Monday and, you know, I'm having a bad day too. Um, you're going to extrapolate a lot more about that character from how they reacted to that situation. Then you are by knowing that, you know, they had on a white button down shirt, blue jeans. Well, gray socks and brown shoes. Well, I do think that that you can use. I think I think one of the most important things you can do for characters is offer contrast, and you can do that in a lot of different ways. But I actually think wardrobe is one of those ways, right? Like someone entering a corporate boardroom in that t-shirt and blue jeans you just talked about is a very different character than one who walks in in a three-piece suit. And that's very different than a character who walks in in shorts and a t-shirt, right? Well, of like, course, but if you're in a corporate boardroom, there is an average. And so therefore you should really only be commenting if somebody was exactly. not fitting in to that average. So you want to hit those contrasts, whether it's between the setting and the character, or sometimes those contrasts are in the character themselves. Think about Think about the way your speech um, is contrasted in ways that that uh, depending on the people you're around. Right. Um, The way you speak to authority figures might be different than the way you speak to your friends. Why is that? What is it that's going on with that character? These are very unspoken things that you don't actually have to say. Don't put in the text. You know, such and such character said X, Y, or Z and, and would always respect authority. Just show us them respecting authority and then clowning on them when their backs are turned or that they would always disrespect authority or whatever. Um, but show us those differences in characters depending on the situations that they're in. And that's going to create a much more 3D picture of the character. Some of those other contrasts too can be the contrasts with their um, environment in their speech or their upbringing or their location in their speech, right? Like a kid, uh, say you've got a character who's 12 and is just using really huge words. It's going to say a lot about that character than uh, normally how you'd write a kid with a smaller vocabulary and shorter sentences. Um, someone who's college educated is going to have a different speech pattern than someone who's not. And they're going to have a different set of words and, and phrases that they're using in a, a certain way of sentence construction. Um, it's really important to figure out you can't have 3D characters if they're all the same, too. So you need to figure out how your characters are all contrasting against each other. Um, because well, but that you're going to want to be careful there too, because yes, you absolutely don't want them to all sound alike, but this is where I think new writers fall into the trap of, like we were saying, giving somebody a quirk just to make them different. Yeah. And well, so yeah. quirks aren't necessarily bad. I don't want people to think that quirks are bad, but there needs to be a reason for it. You'll often see in the movies the, the quirky friend has a quirk and they fulfill a very specific story trope role where it's like they're the support friend. The person goes to them for advice and they sort of abandon the quirk long enough to give the sage like advice. And then they go back to being quirky and underestimated or whatever. Right. That's bad. That's bad writing. You want to make sure that if their quirk is they have a toothpick in their mouth the whole time that maybe it's because they have an oral fixation because they quit smoking and that's a challenge for them. And that's something that resonates through their story, that there's a character reason for it. 
something like that, anything like that, right? Yes. Any of those, any of those quirks need a reason to be there. Um, And sometimes, I mean, like the more primary the character, the more important it is for those quirks to have meaning, right? Like your protagonist needs to have meaning for all of those things. The, 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 the attendant at the gas station can probably have a quirk that's just interesting to watch to liven the scene up and we don't need to know why. Right. Right. But the side characters need to have need to be uh, uh, somewhere in between. Exactly. But just throwing, so to speak, throwing adjectives at somebody does not automatically make them three-dimensional. Making them human makes them three-dimensional and making sure that they're reacting in, like Brian was saying um, at the beginning of the episode, you know, reacting in ways because honestly, you know, humans rarely react really overtly for whatever stimulus. They think five steps around and, and react based on prior experiences, real needs that aren't said. Um, so creating that is, is even more important than falling back on a quirk. Well, and part of the, part of, part of the thing is, is like, when you're creating a 3d character, you really need to tap into yourself, right? You're the only person that, you know, with a hundred percent certainty and no one will ever know you as well as you do, but because you're a writer and because you're a sensitive soul, like we are not that Chantel will admit it, um, I'm a robot, Brian. I know. We talked about this earlier. Um, But people are going to, on average, work toward very specific goals, and they're going to do things to help achieve those goals. And sometimes those goals are very, very basic, right? Um, Survival, right? Getting away or whatever. And sometimes they're more Machiavellian. And you need to make sure that your characters are acting in very um, logical ways for the audience based on the situations they're in and what those super desires are. Exactly. Because, you know, it's one of those, you know, how to win friends and influence people tricks. That is, you know, once you figure out what the other person really needs, um, then you can get whatever you want. And honestly, that's kind of how you should base your characters, figuring out what they need um, and operating from that center. But that's and that's that's not um, always the easiest thing. So you, you need to figure out what you would do if you were in that position and how you think and how your feelings are processed and interrogate the people around you and ask them how they react in these things. Um, It's really important to be in touch with your feelings in order to imagine how people are going to react, let alone characters and how to do it in a realistic way. Study psychology, study, you know, see a therapist. I actually gave this advice to somebody in one of my classes just this past weekend. They're like, how do we, how do we write um, more compelling characters? And it was like, you know yourself better. And they're like, well, how do we know ourselves better? And it's like, even if you don't think you need therapy, you need therapy. Go talk to your therapist. And I guarantee if you meet your therapist and learn more about the inner workings of you, you're going to understand and be able to ex- like expand that knowledge of how you work to the people around you in really, really um, interesting ways that are going to improve your writing. 
Of course. No, I, I am a huge proponent of therapy as well. And I think we all need it. Um, and it is an insightful writing tool, but in the interim, I do think that just honestly being observant and if you can kind of, if, for example, I mean, I don't know if you have families like mine, um, but if you can kind of have a family dinner and step back from it for a moment and just watch how people react to each other. Um, and especially knowing these people well, if they're your family and what their you know, what their needs are and, and why they're reacting the way they are. Um, and just watch how they're interacting. Um, I, I think that's, you know, a lesson in and of itself. So I'll tell you a, a shortcut for this and you can tell me how ridiculous this is. Um, but when I was just starting as a writer, the way I kind of stumbled into learning a deeper craft in crafting 3D characters was I would write my characters for like I would write the parts, whether this was in prose or in screenwriting for dead actors. And then on my rewrites, I would I would revise for a living actor and it would create enough of that contrast between two real life people and how I imagined their performances might be. And it created enough of that bridge that, that my characters didn't feel so cardboard um, though. If I went back and revisited a lot of my early work, I'm sure I would find that they are just paper thin cardboard, but that was something that helped uh, help me as a tool to sort of imagine how they could live and breathe. Um, because I just, I consume movies like candy, I guess. Honestly, I do that all the time, Brian. Like, especially when I'm first starting out and don't even have necessarily names for my characters yet, I will cast them. I'll be like, you know, this person is X actor type or X actress type. And I'll give them the name of that actor or actress and be like, okay, now I know how they'll react in this situation because you know, this is kind of that personality type. And, and it does kind of give a shorthand to, you know, putting a real person in as opposed to just creating something out of whole cloth. Yeah, no, I think so. Now I feel very validated. Well, I'm glad that's that really up. my goal in life. But it's not it's it's not something I rely on as much anymore because I think I'm working to, to create things that are a little bit more complex um, and really part of creating a 3D character is giving them a 3D challenge to tackle, right? And showing us the choices they make and make the choices that they're forced to make even more difficult. And that create like giving a character an impossible choice. And that's really the key to making a 3D character is making us believe that they make the choice either way. Exactly. Well, I think we're about at our 15 minutes and I, I hope that this has helped the audience learn how to create a realistic three-dimensional character. And as always, we welcome your input. We welcome your suggestions for future 15-minute topics. You can find me on Twitter at Suspense Siren. Um, you can also follow us either on Pipeline Artist Network or at Pray Words, which is our podcast. Um, and Brian, we find you where? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Swankmatron, or you can sign up for my newsletter at swankmatron.com. All right, until the next 15. 